heart. I believe that God is in total control. I believe that God knows what he's doing. And also I believe that if we surrender everything we have to him, this is a great opportunity to see God at work and to see the Holy Spirit moving like we have never seen the Spirit before. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, we are before your presence. Lord, this is not a customary thing that we do to pray, but it's us telling you, communicating to you our gratitude your thanksgiving, and also our requests. Father, you have been here before we got here, and you are here. We just ask you that your presence would be felt in each heart, each mind, each soul, and through the power of the Holy Spirit and through your word, you would be active in each person here, including the children, and we include those that are not here today, that you would work in their lives also. In Jesus' name, amen. And lo and behold, well, what will I be speaking about? Um, it will be about the Holy Spirit today. And... Um, we have, last week, I shared a couple of things about the Holy Spirit. Um, just trying to get myself a set up over here. Um, okay. And uh, I gave the example of giving space to the Holy Spirit. That our lives is like a spring. So sometimes we can squash and squeeze out the Holy Spirit out of your lives. And I mentioned that the, new, the Holy Spirit is not something to the New Testament, and I will prove here about, um, about how in the Old Testament the Holy Spirit was at work. So if we have it there, um, I'll read it. Okay. Psalm 51, a very familiar psalm. This is a psalm of David, and it is believed that it was after he sinned, he realized a lot of things, the penny dropped on him, and he wrote this psalm among others. And he put there, Have mercy on me, O God. According to, the, to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only I have sinned and done what is evil 
in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely, surely I was sinful at birth. That is, I have inherited this thing. Sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed, crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast away or do not cast from me your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. David understood that he was in a very dangerous ground. So I want to give you the, the backdrop of what is happening. And uh, he had uh, just committed adultery, murder, uh, deceit, a whole bunch of things. And, and this is ever before him. I, I, I can imagine David going to sleep and, and not being able to sleep. I can imagine David waking up and, and that's on his mind. I can imagine Uriah was a good friend of his. This is the thing. And just all those things playing, rolling through the mind, running through the mind. And he realized that he had no peace. See, he had seen at a younger stage in his life what happened to Saul and how Saul, the, the, the Spirit of God, departed from Saul. And Saul was a troubled person. Saul could not appease himself. So David would go and play the harp and play a tune, play some music, so Saul could have some relief from this bad spirit that was coming upon him. And I'm not sure whether it was the bad spirit coming upon him or the good spirit leaving him, or a little bit of both. David realized that should that happen to him, he'd be in serious trouble. There was no return. So he's saying, Cast me not from your presence. I, I, I don't want to be sent away like uh, you probably remember what happened to Cain where God sends him away. And, he, and, and, and David is thinking, I don't want that. I don't want to be cast away from God's presence. But neither do I want the Holy Spirit to be taken from me. And we think, what did he understand about the Holy Spirit? 
Well, I think that he understood a lot. He understood a lot more than probably we understand, or he understood a lot more than what the early church understood about the Holy Spirit. It was, um, and I'm talking about the early church. Okay, there we go. We are back in business. Origin of Alexandria. He was one of the church fathers. In, uh, in 184, he was born. He died in 253. Uh, four years before his death, uh, he was tortured by Domitian badly. And uh, as a result of the injuries, he died four years later. Origen was considered to be the most intellectual person outside of Paul. As a young guy, probably 16, 17, he saw his father being taken away from him. His father was a Christian and martyred. So he wanted to do the same thing. He wanted to die. He was ready to die for Christ. But his mother took away all his clothing so he could not go out naked. He knew that that was not the right thing. And that's how he was spared. So what he did, he made a decision. He said, I will never get married. I will not have children. And he emasculated himself. And he decided to live for Christ. And he had such a revelation from this spirit that we're talking about. He was so filled with the Holy Spirit that he was able to understand from the Old and New Testament and he has written 6,000 works of volumes, books in his life. He was so intellectual. He became so smart that he started a school in Alexandria. He was the first Bible college ever in Christian circles. Ambrose, who was also a church father, realized that there was nobody as smart as origin. So he gave him, he personally paid for some scribes that they could write because origin could not write fast enough. So there was a whole bunch of scribes that were given to him so he could write. And he wrote about the Holy Spirit and he wrote about salvation. And he was the first one that came with a thought and idea of a trinity. And he was the one that gave the church the, the stepping stone about who Jesus was after Paul and about the Holy Spirit. More than anything, about the triune God. He was so elemental and so instrumental that even today people consider him to be the smartest person that the church ever produced, even above St. Augustine. So that's a big statement. That are not my words. That's what people are stating. And St. Augustine was the one that unpacked, I'm jumping from origin to St. Augustine, the book of Romans for us. Yeah? So Romans 1 to 8 was unpacked by St. Augustine. He was the one that saw and understood what Paul was saying. But origin was considered to be a, um, the most intellectual. And this is what he said. Origen's reading of John's Gospel and Paul's epistles convinced him of the personal nature of the Holy Spirit. And I've got here in italic words, this is his quote. 
Their spirit blows where it wills. This is from John 3.8. This signifies that their spirit is a substantial being. It is not, as some imagine, an activity of God without individual existence. And the apostle, after enumerating the gifts of the spirit, proceeds thus. And all these things come from the activity of the one same Spirit, distributing to each individual as he wills. In 1 Corinthians 12-11, that's what his origin is reading from. And if he wills and is active and distributes, he is therefore an active substance, not a mere activity. Origin, understood, that the Holy Spirit, it is not something that, as some people have heard him say, that the Holy Spirit is an agent of God. Well, that can have two meanings. I can agree with one, but I, could dis- but I vehemently disagree with the other one. The Holy Spirit is not an agent like a real estate agent that represents God. Make no mistake. The Holy Spirit is not a subordinate to God. The Holy Spirit is not representing and and, and being like a mediator between a vendor and a buyer when someone is buying or selling a house. But the Holy Spirit is an agent when we talk about a chemical agent that when he comes in, changes and transforms everything, takes possession of the whole thing. And I could agree with that. Yes, the Holy Spirit is that type of agent. And the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is not something in some way, a a formality. Yeah, We're going to have next week uh, Jack getting baptized. uh, And uh, and, uh, we will be placing our hands on on Jack. Uh, There you are, Jack. So you know what's going to happen. We will be praying over you. And that's not a formality. We would expect, and you should expect, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah? So this is not something that we're following uh, a tradition. Yes, it is a tradition when you have something that you do it all the time. It is a tradition. But it's a reality. It's not a formality. It is a reality. And the Holy Spirit takes possession of the person. And... uh, and they, uh, David could understand this, and I've got here a, a few scriptures about, about the Holy Spirit. And, and so the first one that I have there, David is saying, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Where can I hide from the Holy Spirit? So the Holy Spirit is not confined to certain spaces. The Holy Spirit is everywhere. My grandmother... There was an accident. I think I shared this before. Some of you perhaps didn't hear it. There was an accident. It was uh, a tragedy that happened on a Saturday night, and uh, it was a, a nightclub that burned down, and, and some people have died. And my grandmother said, if they went to church, that wouldn't have happened to them. As if the Holy Spirit was outside the boundaries as if someone could restrict the Holy Spirit and say, oh no, the Holy Spirit cannot be here. 
Uh, it can be in bed, bed can be in, in certain, but, but some areas, no. No, the Holy Spirit is everywhere. He's in charge, he's in control, and he's aware of everything that is happening. It might grieve him that some people, instead of going to church, went to a nightclub. Perhaps the Holy Spirit was not happy with that. But that, that would not have happened, I don't know. I'm not going to play with, with this idea of destiny or confining the Holy Spirit to certain places. The Holy Spirit is everywhere. So the Holy Spirit is right here. And it's across the road where all the Vietnamese, uh, Chinese, uh, Africans, Indians, and, and, and all the people are. The Holy Spirit is moving among people. He knows every thought. I know that we must struggle with this idea. But we need to look at the next step as Christians. So that is perhaps the generic way of thinking. But God wants us to see the Holy Spirit perhaps in a different light. And Apostle Paul could unpack that. He said, do you not know that you yourselves a God's temple, and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst. Ah, oh. he's talking about individuals and the church. So we are God's temple as individuals and collectively, and the Holy Spirit dwells within us and amongst us. He also said that, do you not know, this is in 1 Corinthians 6.19, that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. Wow, what a statement. This is surrendering all. This is allowing the Holy Spirit to not just take residence, but take ownership. And when we look at that, we need to then take consideration of the temple in Israel. And so then two things I want to talk about the temple. Number one is that the temple in Israel, the first temple in there, uh, the people lost the, 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 the book of the law. It was found by Jos Josiah many, many, many years later. In fact, there is no recording of the reading of the book of the law, not in the book of Judges, not throughout the reign of David, yeah, and the other kings or Saul, nobody knew. So people knew, people were quoting about God and they knew something, but nobody knew where the book was. The book was lost. It was found by Josiah. You read it, find it. Do the research in the Bible. In the Old Testament, people were going by faith, but nobody was reading the, from the Word. And what happened, when you are not in tune with the Word, you're going to make some mistakes. Whether willingly or unwillingly, maybe by ignorance. So what they did, they built a temple to God, they dedicated the temple to God, and in a, right in the center of the temple of God, or maybe to a side, I'm not sure, it doesn't say where, they put an Asherah pole, which was dedicated to a god of Canaan. And not only that, they were baking cakes to the queen of heaven, whoever the queen of heaven was. And also they had a shrine for um, male prostitution. So if you think about uh, gay clergy, what's new? I mean, this happened thousands of years ago. 
And they had no idea. When they find the book of the law, they go through the cleansing, refurbishing the temple, and so on. So they realized that God had departed as a result from the temple. And that's why they had to go into exile. They were exiled. They had forsaken God. And some of, them, some of them didn't, but Jeremiah did. It was clear to Jeremiah. And so we get to the second temple at the time of Jesus. So this time there is no Asherah pole. There is no uh, shrine to male prostitution. There is no baking to the queen of heaven and all these other things. But what do we have in a temple? What do we have in a second temple? What, does Jesus, what, is, what did Jesus do in that temple? When he walked in, he cleansed the temple. From what? You see, when you have animals, and not long ago we had a little joey here, uh, thanks to the Bet Bet crew, uh, but imagine that we start bringing here chicken and pigs, and Mark will get all his animals, and all of you, everyone gets the animals here. You know what? We would not be able to worship. The sound of worship will be mixed up with the crow of the, of, of, of the, of the chicken, with uh, uh, the sound of the goat and the pigs and everything else. So it will not be, it will be a, a, a mixed, a blended sound. And Jesus is saying, no, this is the temple of God. So all these things that are here, they have to be removed so there can be a clear worship. Also, the smell of it. Yeah? I mean, animals don't have a shower before they come to church. Yeah, most of us do, but, but animals don't. You know, you don't give an animal a bath before you, because you don't even bring them to church. So we would smell the pig and we would smell, you know, all other things here. It, imagine that that's what we've done. And Jesus is saying, we want to smell incense here because the incense represent prayers. And that's what we want to smell here in the temple. So we don't want the smell of animals in here. And exchanging money, you know, this is not about who can buy or sell salvation. You don't need money here. And that has to go out. And so Jesus cleanses the temple. Question, is your temple cleansed? If we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, how clean are we? We'll come back to that. And I just want to compare, so if we are the temple, yeah, so we are the temple of Jerusalem in comparison. That I gave you the two. I could go a lot more, but this is not about that. This is about the Holy Spirit. Think about this. So we can be influenced by evil. Uh, you probably have seen in cartoons where you see on one side someone whispering, you know, with horns and, 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 and a fork and long tail whispering on one side, and then you see on the other ear someone with a halo whispering. To some degree, it's true. I mean, that's, that's how we can imagine, that's how we... But the Holy Spirit is not working like that. Evil does. Evil influences people to do things that are not right. Not only that, evil also oppresses people. Some people are oppressed by bad spirits. Some people can't sleep at night. Some people have got no peace. Some people have got troubles in their mind. And if you, you try to book a psychologist, and how long will it take you to get to see a psychologist? Yeah, It's not that you go and see them the next day. No, no, no. There is a long period of time before you can go and see a psychologist. Why? Because people are troubled. 
whether it's their own things that they're troubled by or they are oppressed by evil, by evil thoughts, evil desires, evil uh, um, guilt, and, and all these things that evil can uh, bring up on people. And finally, possessed. People can be possessed by evil. I hope that you never see an evil-possessed person. I did. And this is not about giving glory in any way to anything that is evil. But I can assure you that it is a sight. This is not just the looks in an evil face. When you see someone that will be able to lift a piano with one hand, this is not illusion or delusion. This is real. Yeah? Someone that can fly from chair to chair, just running, and not tip one chair at an enormous speed. Yeah, those things do happen. Thank God that for some reason the Holy Spirit has stopped. And I believe that the Holy Spirit and angels are guarding our lives so we would not see. You know that people, I, I could not sleep for nights after seeing that. I was a believer. I was, I was a person in Christ. And I, I've seen a couple of those. And I said, Lord, I... I, I this, this is disturbing. And the pastor of the church, he, had was, he was filled with the Holy Spirit and he casted the demon out. And these people are believers today. But evil can possess people and make them do things that are horrible. In the other hand, the Holy Spirit can lead people. This is not about influencing but this is about leading the leading of the holy spirit and if ever if ever we needed to be led by the holy spirit trust me it's now we live in a world that is confused where we have all sorts of ideas about you know christianity who is what is not um, some of you have been and, and I, i'm glad for some of the posts that some people put on on, on facebook because needs to be exposed but the idea that Jesus is uh, just a human, the idea that all these heresies, and we need to navigate through this. This is believers that are bringing this up. Uh, you know, the, the, the vote about, uh, about gender and the confusion about gender, people don't know who they are. You know? We need a clear navigation, and we need the leading of the Holy Spirit more than ever before. And also the Holy Spirit can guide us. And that's what I was saying about now we haven't got a building. This is coming to an end. But I trust that the Holy Spirit will guide us to the new place. We don't know what the place looks like, but God knows. And God has got a plan and a purpose and a reason. And God will, be, will, he will bring it to reality, not just... So it's not that we have to fear. The Holy Spirit will... Guide the people in charge. I said last week that no program can substitute the Holy Spirit. However, the Holy Spirit can give us ideas and lead us and guide us to whatever program is going to work. If you remember, when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, there were about 120 people gathered there. It doesn't say the exact number. About 120. And, uh, and these people speak in so many different languages. 
Is it that one person is speaking two or three, or, 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 or each one is speaking a different language, or, or is it that all speak one language, but each one interprets it like in the United Nations, they interpret in, you know, whatever language? I don't know. We, we, we're not given that exactly how it happened. But we know that people understood the language. Each person that was there from different countries understood the language that the disciples were talking. And the Holy Spirit can give us exactly that today. So we can speak the language of the people that are around us so they actually understand what the Bible is all about. They can understand what Christianity is all about. The Holy Spirit can do that. He's done it then. He can do it today. And of course, we can be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that is the ultimate goal that God wants, and that is what we want. But God will not do that. God will not do that unless there is a cleansing of your temple, unless there is a cleansing within us, unless there is a change and a transformation that will take us to that spot because God will not share His Spirit with filthiness at all. God is not going to do that. And so we have in Galatians, I know that uh, Brother Young Tibor is talking about Galatians, and I have here highlighted or put in bold letters and underlined the things that Apostle Paul is identifying as, because then he later talks actually about the Spirit. I haven't got the Scripture there. Like I said, I, I don't want to be here going, jumping from thing to thing. But it says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, self-ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like these will, what? A little bit louder, please. Thank you. Will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is very clear. Can you see any of these things in your life? If there is at least one of those things in your life, there is a hindrance to the Holy Spirit. I'm not having a go at you. I'm not pointing the finger at anyone. But this is what the Scripture says. And you're in danger. Or you might not even inherit the... Not, let alone live a full life. You might not inherit... You're in danger of not inheriting the kingdom of God. But in the other hand, he continues, he puts another chart, the Apostle Paul in 522 Galatians, he said, but the fruit of the Spirit, this is the Spirit that we're talking about, the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Can you see yourself there? Is there anything that you're missing from that side? I mean, this is a good scale to, to look at and compare. And then in Colossians, Apostle Paul continues saying, uh, he's, he's almost like in a dresser. Imagine, imagine you're in a dress room, yeah? And uh, uh, he says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Mm. So in the album, it talks about idolatry, separate, but he says the greed is like idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in a life you once lived, but now these things are not good. 
So I put there in purple, lust and evil desires, which are not included in the other list. So imagine you go to a restroom. Imagine that I'm living in the uh, 1700s, where people had layers of clothes. Some people still have layers of clothes today. Yeah? Uh, but uh, so you go and you take, you know, one, two layers, three layers, and then Apostle Paul says, hold on, hold on. You must strip yourself of everything, yeah? Take your socks, take your underwear, take everything. Not, not just... Because if you were sweating, and if you're filthy, if you've been rolling with pigs, and your clothes are filthy and dirty, most likely your underwear will smell as well. So he's saying, you lived in one of these things in, 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 in verse 7 of Galat- uh, Colossians, uh, of chapter 3, and in verse 8 it says, but now you must also rid yourself of such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of God's, or of the Creator. Can you see what Paul is saying? Paul is saying, you know what? You cannot be filled with the Holy Spirit unless there is a change in you. Unless there is some cleansing in your life. You must be cleansed. Just like the temple was cleansed once and twice, the temple must be cleansed. The temple of the Holy Spirit, each one of us, must be cleansed. If there is no cleansing, we will not experience the power of the Holy Spirit. So, we can believe in God and not have the Holy Spirit. We hear that the devil believes in God too. And I doubt that he's got the Holy Spirit. We can quench the Holy Spirit. We can grieve the Holy Spirit. We can do that. Let's say, oh, we can do that easily. But God can take away the Holy Spirit. Think of that. And should God take the Holy Spirit from us, we've got problems. So, question for us. Is the Holy Spirit in your neighborhood? Yes, definitely. We might, not, we might ignore the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is in our neighborhood. That, at least we know. Is he a visitor in our heart? Does he come every now and then? When we come to church or you know, prayer time in the morning or at some point in the evening, is he a visitor? Is he a resident? Or is he the rightful owner? Why do I say this? Because if he's a... I will not go to the first one, you know, being in the neighborhood... But if he is a visitor in your heart, when visitors come to your place and they stay for a couple of weeks, as we have them often, the first thing that we say is, okay, so this is the fridge, this is how you make your breakfast, this is how you do, and, but you are not allowed to do this, that, that, or the other. That is not for you. So we'll put restrictions, yeah? We'll put parameters, and we'll say, that's what you can do. And so if the Holy Spirit is a visitor, and how, how do we know whether the Holy Spirit is a visitor in our lives? When we tell the Holy Spirit, well, you can do this, but not do that. 
The Holy Spirit is going to do certain things, but not this. Definitely not this. This is out. The Holy Spirit does not work like that. What do you know? To what language are we going to restrict the Holy Spirit? Tell me. I'd like to hear from you. Because if he's a visitor, we can restrict him to English. That's if we are English-speaking. I can probably restrict him to another language. Most of you can restrict, restrict him to one or two languages, maybe three, yeah? But that's about it. If he's a resident, okay, he's got some rights, yeah? Um, permanent. But again, you have no right over the real estate. You cannot have a say about renovating this place. You're just a resident. You can make requests. And will I do it or I don't? It's up to me, not up to you. But if he's a rightful owner, like Paul said, about being the temple of the Holy Spirit, if he's a rightful owner, then the Holy Spirit can do whatever he wants. So recapping, the Holy Spirit is not an activity of God. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit can lead us, guide us, or inhabit us. <coughs> we can be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we can suppress the Holy Spirit. We can quench the Holy Spirit. We can grieve the Holy Spirit. And God can take the Holy Spirit away from us. What does it leave us? Do you want to see miracles? Do you want to see great things? Do you want to see transformation in your community? Do you want to see your neighbors changing and transforming? Do you want to see your family being more spiritual? What is it that you want to see? Start making room for the Holy Spirit. And don't be surprised. The Holy Spirit does not fail. And He will do as He wishes. You start putting restrictions, the Spirit will say, okay, you rule. Your rules, your rules, your rules, yeah? I'll go by you. I'll stand on this side. We live in a world. We live in times where the Holy Spirit is only a formality in churches. I'll finish with this. This is a trick. I'm going to trick you here. Yeah? So this is not the reality. Please, don't hold it against me. But I was, I was reading the book of Revelation, and it says that 144,000 are being sealed on one side with the seal of God, and on the other hand, everybody else with a 666. I couldn't help but ask the question that at the end times, is it only 144,000 people that are faithful? Is that it? What happened to the church? And we're given the answer at the very beginning. In the church of Laodicea, which is the seventh church, Jesus is outside and knocking at the door. I wouldn't like to live through times like that. I think it would be terrible. May the Lord bless us and fill us abundantly with the Holy Spirit. God bless you.